Welcome to Off the Board Sports. We are three professional sports handicappers. In each podcast episode, we will give three to five free sport picks to our listeners. We will also dive into the hottest sports topics around the globe and offer our opinions. Let's get right into our show before our picks are taken Welcome off the Welcome to another edition board. of Off the Board Sports this Saturday, October 21st. And we're going to jump into the baseball series. Boy, we had two exciting games. And we're going to get in the first one with the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. But boy, this game had everything that was built for October baseball. You saw the Astros come out and take the first two on the road. Every road team has won every game in this series. But Juan, uh, we're going to get your thoughts on this first. You know, I saw Alex Bregman lead off the first inning with the home run. Get the Astros the lead. A lot of momentum. Everybody wants to make the big deal that the Astros are 9-1 and at Globe Life this season. Uh, Texas has shown some fight. You saw in the fifth inning with the Daniel Lowe game time home run, and the Astros got the lead back to one off of the Brayu, off that short one hop that Corey Seager could not handle. And then you saw the bottom of the fifth, and that's where, excuse me, bottom of the sixth, that's where things got interesting. You want to go there? Yeah, well, I mean, you talked about not only that, but talk about Houston. The success they've had on the road this season has just been astronomical. Um, you talked about Texas. When is enough enough? Um, they just got swept at their home ballpark. You thought they were going to start showing some emotion, um, especially after those first two games. But, yeah, bottom of the six, they finally showing some fight, some resiliency uh, this team did all season. Um, they get the two guys on. Justin Verlander leaves the pitch over the plate. Garcia hits a towering fly ball to left field. Everyone didn't know if, they, if it had enough on it. It wasn't a, a barely got clear uh, defense. Um, it was surely a, a home run, though. And then after that, um, you know, seventh and eighth inning was uh, pretty quiet um, throughout the rest of those two innings. But then you talk about this is where things really got interesting Um, in the bottom of the eighth when uh, Garcia, you know, that home run celebration and a lot of conference for around the league. You know, uh, some people on the post game, you know, specifically a Rose Chapman, he he said uh, everyone in the league who watched the game knew it was intentional. You know, Houston's going to say it's not. But, yeah, um, this ball wasn't even close. Abreu uh, only hit three guys all season. And, uh, you know what, after that, the little bruja that happened, nothing really evolved around it. But Mara Maranato said it really spoke up the Houston Astros, and that's one of the worst things you can do. The seven-time uh, experienced teams um, had been in the ALCS. Um, but, um, yeah, and then you talked about the top of the ninth, the long delay for Jose Leclerc um, pretty much uh, just uh, sealed their fate. Um, again, yeah. um, I didn't think it was uh, really the bottom of the lineup. You know, it was a great at-bat from uh, Diaz. But you have the little bum, uh, John Singletary, that hasn't played a lick in this postseason. Didn't even swing at a pitch in that at-bat. He was just looking to walk. He looked scared up there. Um, but, yeah, and then he uh, got on base. And then um, after that, you knew uh, it was going to be in a deep, deep trouble for Jose Leclerc, especially with the top three coming up. And uh, Jose Artuve, one of the best players, if not in uh, history of the postseason. I know he hits it to home run, and that's all she wrote. I mean, this game was over. Yeah, let's get back into the bottom of the eighth inning where that happened. Uh, you also mentioned that the Rangers did have guys on the corners, and they were not able to capitalize there. That was a big get-out for Ryan Presley, who's been awesome for the Astros in the playoffs this postseason. But uh, I feel like it's just hard for me to believe that he was just trying to intentionally hit him. Especially in a two-run game, four-run game, yeah, that's a different story. But 
I just honestly thought he tried to go up and in and it got away from him. Like I said, why would you want to put two guys on when you have a chance to come back in the game? Uh, but there is a history here, as we know, back in July. Uh, we'll see if these two teams carry it on to next season. I definitely think it'll be a contentious 13 games next year. But get credit to the Houston Astros. You know, the Rangers give them also credit in the bottom of the ninth. They got their two leadoff guys on, and then Marcus Simeon roped that liner. And uh, as soon as he hit it, I thought it was had enough to get over the shortstop. The guy was a big shortstop, 6'4", and Kessinger made a great play. You saw Corey Seager go about five feet from the wall in the left center, hit it to the deepest part in the ballpark, hit it hard, and then, of course, having Carter struck out to end the game. But, Juan, you were feeling good when the Texas Rangers were up 2-0. You felt like this series had no chance going back to Houston. Obviously, it is now with the Astros taking three at Globe Life. Uh, Do you think the road game continues and Texas can force a game seven? You think Texas can take the two games there? Uh, I never said the series is over. I said you had to feel extremely good, but you have to be wary of the Houston Astros. you got to remember this team has been there seven times, including this year. Um, they face every adversity, every challenge, and certainly they're not going to be phased, especially how they played on the road. Um, and then you talk about Texas. Um, you know, when's enough enough? They've been the, just getting their ass kicked at their home ballpark all season by this team. And it, clearly, again, three games in a row. I mean, surely enough, someone's going to have to throw at someone or show some emotion. I mean, you just stole two in Houston, and now you're going uh, with your backs against the wall, facing elimination. Um, but hey, the, you talk about every road team that's won in this series. I don't know if this trend's going to continue. It's never been done in MLB history in a postseason playoff series, but um, it's going to be uh, frustrating. But I mean, you have the right guys going for Texas. You have Nathan Avoldi, and then if they can steal game six, you got Max Serger against Christian Javier, it looks like, for Houston. Um, that's going to be a dandy of a, a game if it gets to a game seven. But, you know, don't count out this Texas Rangers team. You know, Marcus Simeon um, has had a horrible series against the Strohs. He was 0 for 5 yesterday. Corey Seager, 1 for 5. That's not going to get it done against this Houston Astros team, um, especially how elite they're at at the plate. They're the hardest team to strike out. They make you work. They make uh, contact. Uh, and they just do all the little things right. They don't let anything phase them. Um, you know, they were trailing. They got the little fight uh, there with the Garcia. And like I said, Mariano Arnado said in the post game that that really energized his team, got his guys after it, and uh, especially Ryan Plessy getting out of that jam. But this series is not over. You know, Houston's had their woos at home. Um, it's going to be really on the shoulders of Nathan Evaldi. And like I just said, Marcus Simeon, where is he going to show up? He has yet to show up. Is it going to be game six? Corey Seager's done what he had to do. Um, but if the Strohs just go back home and they just want to not close this in Game 6, as they should, and avoid the Game 7, um, I think the Astros will have all, they have all the momentum, especially how that game ended yesterday. And they're riding high. I think Texas is a little bit deflated. Yeah, I'm going to go to the other NLCS and another exciting game yesterday. Everybody and all the critics out there and all the experts thought when the Philadelphia Phillies got up 2-0 at home that they were just going to roll over the Diamondbacks. But I'm going to tell you something. I watched the Diamondbacks all season long. This is a team that never gives up. They, Tori Lavallo has some manager uh, uh, duties where example yesterday a bullpen game and they got the job done but actually got the job done late you know the Phillies took control of this game you look like they were going to go up 3-1 back to Philly with that dominating bullpen but you bring in Craig Kimbrell and he gave up three hits three runs obviously the pitch hitter with Alec Thomas hitting the game tying two home run and then Monroe hitting the single up the middle but 
this Diamondback team, there's no quitting them. They, you saw it early in the year how dominant they were. They fell off, yes, but they got them into the playoffs. And now that we got a series, Game 5, you look at what happened, who's on the mound today, Zach Wheeler and Gallon. Gallon is so dominant at home. Yes, you might have got him in Philadelphia. We'll see if the Phillies can do the same thing tonight. But this is a, I mean, you saw the percentages, 71%, whoever wins Game 5 in a best-of-seven series, so a big advantage. And just like yesterday, it's going to be an emotional game. Uh, you know the Diamondbacks at home want to get this one. You know it's going to be a tough task to go 3-2 in Philadelphia, but you got your ace. You can't ask anything more from what happened in Philadelphia, losing those two games badly. The offense wasn't getting there. Now the timely hits are coming for the D-backs. And look out, because I predicted the D-backs to beat the Phillies in this series. Nobody gave them a chance, like I said. Everyone thought the Phillies were going to roll. But I think the pressure is a little bit on Philadelphia now. You know, they know the Diamondbacks are going to fight. They're not going to give up. They're going to get grind all nine innings. And that's exactly what they did yesterday. And if the Phillies thought they had that game won, they got to think twice again. You know, that bullpen, usually solid in the playoffs. They, they let one get away. But you got Zach Wheeler, and that, that's going to be good for the Phillies fans. Uh, we'll see what if he's dominant on the road as he's been on at home this postseason. No, that's another question. He has not pitched a road game in the playoffs, I don't believe, besides the one in Atlanta. But, uh, Juan, what do you think in Game 5? Are you a little, I know the Rangers series got away from you a little bit. It's still not over, but not looking good. But now the Phillies you have in the NL, and now they're in a little bit of a trouble. Yeah, um, you know, I'm going to get right to the point here and just cut this uh, nonsense out with this Arizona D-backs team. Let's be realistic how they won this the last two well, games in Arizona. Back both games. Um, they had to win it in the bottom of the ninth in uh, Game 3. Uh, yesterday, bottom of the eighth, and uh, just some uh, miscue uh, pitches by the Philly bullpen and uh, Arizona. Um, they took advantage of that, but uh, credit for them. Um, you know, the smallest guy on the team, I believe, Alex Thomas, only goes about 170 pounds. Hits the home under right center. Um, but, um, again, no one thought he was going to get uh, Craig Kimball's pitch there. I didn't like Craig Kimball in there. This guy's been uh, blowing. He's been a little inconsistent. He's been on some teams through the last couple of years. Now Philadelphia picks him up. I would have, yes, you talk about a bullpen game. It was a bullpen game for both. Sanchez only went two innings. Then you go Hoffman, Trump, Dominguez. Early in the game, this is what played a big role, like I was just saying about Craig Kimball being in the bottom of the eighth because, you know, that's usually Dominguez. Well, he's usually role. the closer, and I, I thought that's my point. that was a bad move from Thompson, and you just well, mentioned it had to that. Be a, it had to be a bullpoint game for both teams because, you know, the starters were not going to go deep, and it was whoever no. was going to outlast another bullpen. And certainly Philadelphia had a big advantage when they were up 5-2. to two. Um Arizona, you show the fight. They've showed the fight all season when they had hit their adversity throughout the regular season and a little bit in the postseason when they went 0-2 in Philadelphia. But give them credit. I mean, they tied this series up. This is what people have been waiting for, similar in Texas, to have, finally have a competitive series. But um, it's going to end today. I think uh, Zach Wheeler, the experienced pitcher that he is, again, Zach Galen, everyone knows how electric he is at home. Philadelphia lineup, I mean, they're really upset, in my opinion, knowing this one got away from them. Um, I think they know. I mean, if somehow Arizona does pull this one off, um, I think Philadelphia still has to feel very confident yeah. going to at home. They have yet to be beaten over the last two years in the postseason. But you don't want to put yourself in that position. No. Um, I think Philadelphia would rather get this done in six and uh, head into the looks like they're going to be playing Houston if they hang on in their series and a rematch of last year in the World Series. But first things is first. I mean, they got to take care of business here against Arizona. I mean, the series is tied 2-2, similar to yesterday in Texas. Anything can happen. But um, I think big game, uh, Zach Wheeler will show up today, and uh, the Phillies' bats will uh, get to Galen if he loses those pitches over the plate. 
If Galen's on his uh, game, though, um, it's going to be a pitcher deal. It's going to be one mistake for either guy, and it could be costly in this game off uh, five. Yeah, we're going to go to the college football world. Week 8, we're already at week 8, and we're going to go to the big game already in Columbus. Give our thoughts on that. We also got some other games previewing. Also, our four free picks, as always, every Sunday. We've been killing it in the college football world. 8-1 and one over the last two weeks here from Juan and I. We're going to go to the Ohio State-Penn State game. Everyone thinks Penn State can come and knock off the Buckeyes, but I'm going to get into my opinions first. You look at this Penn State team, they're very good and very stout on the defensive side of the ball. 6-0, and but they have not yet to be challenged against an offense. Let's look at who have they played. UMass, Northwestern, Iowa, Illinois. Those three teams of the Big Ten are the bottom of the Big Ten in terms of offense. you got Delaware. Now you go into Columbus and Ohio State where James Franklin never wins these big games. So you look at Manny Diaz and what he's going to come in here and try to do to Kyle McCord. But Kyle McCord has been quietly a really under the radar. I know they had some doubts with him in the beginning of the year, but they have really turned it on. You saw it in Notre Dame in that game-winning drive. You saw the debacle, the two dominating performances against Maryland. They started off slow, but they really took care of us in the second half. A lot of people thought Purdue can give them a little trouble on the road in Lafayette, and they just killed them. Uh, but I think Ohio State, they're banged up a little bit, but they still are two dominating defenses. You look at both sides of the ball. Uh, you look at what Penn State wants to do with Allen and Singleton. They're two, one of the one of the best two one two combos, and they really help Drew Allaire. But I want to get into Drew Allaire. I mean, he's been efficient for the Penn State Nitty Lions, but he hasn't really wowed me in terms of uh, his game. You know, he's still a young, only a sophomore uh, quarterback, but he has all the intangibles. Six five, a big quarterback, but you have to turn the ball over here. That's going to be. Uh, interesting but i've seen him struggle on the road and you saw against the illinois game in the first half 16 out of 33 was the final stats for him in that game only 208 yards he's only gone over 300 yards once you look at the last three games they really haven't needed him to do that much but they're gonna have to have him need to do it today because against this ohio state defense and like i said he's only averaging 6.9 yards per throw everything's below the line of scrimmage short screens short passes So I think Ohio State will keep everything in front of them. That's what Penn State lacks, that deep, explosive guy that can get on top of the defense. Uh, If they do it today, I'll give them credit, but I just don't see it. I like Ohio State minus the four, and I think they they run away in the second half. Yeah, you know, the hometown kid grew up in Ohio just uh, about an hour and a half away from Columbus. He grew up an Ohio State uh, diehard fan, uh, analyzing some quarterbacks throughout the years. Mm. But Drew Allaire... um, this is going to be his toughest test by far. Look who they've played. Yeah. They played Delaware on the road that. against Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, UMass. Um, I don't like the venue for the kid, 100,000 plus. I think the Buckeyes, their defense is electric as well. Have athletes all over the field, all three phases of the field. Um, I really like Ohio State in this spot. I think uh, if any chance for an upset here for Penn State, small upset. Um, where in terms of where the rankings are, um, it's going to be really coming from Drew Allaire. It's going to be really coming from their defense, get, winning the turnover battle, getting them off at third down in crucial moments, and uh, being aggressive. I mean, Franklin, you talk about his historic record, has not been good in these big-time primetime games, one of the worst as a head coach. Um, what's going to change with Manny Diaz? You know, they got him over from Miami. Yep. His defense is very good. They have athletes themselves, and their rush defense is one of the best in the nation. If they can make him one-dimensional and make Kyle Kaur, uh throw the ball to his, his wideouts, I just think there's a big advantage in the receiving to Penn State's receivers. I think they get open. I think they create explosive plays. I think they expose the Indian Lions. I like Ohio State. Yeah, uh, we're totally on Ohio State out there, so we're going to go into our – 
next game, giving our free picks at the end of this one. So we're going to go into the next game. Tennessee, uh-huh. Alabama. Tennessee got the big win against AM in a grinded-out type of game. Alabama grinded it out against Arkansas, was dominating most of that game until the second half. Really lost their offense there a little bit. Uh, interesting, though, Tennessee's defense has really carried them this season. Usually you don't say that with a Jeff Hoople offense, how dominant they have been over the last couple of seasons. But nevertheless, they're 5-1, and one, only the one loss at Florida. Still in the running for the SEC West. Uh, line right now just under 10 points. Uh, do you think Alabama comes in here and, you know, they've been up and down. They look good at times, but only winning their last two games by a single score. Uh, do you think Tennessee can come in here and create a little bit of trouble for the Tide? No, I absolutely do not. Um, Tennessee has looked awful all season long. They don't have the explosive plays they did a year ago. Um, I like Alabama. Um, this team is uh, rolling at the right time after losing to Texas in Week 2. Again, they've had a not the toughest schedule in the last couple games. Uh, Arkansas was a tight game. A&M was a tight game. But this this game's going to be at home at Brian Denny Stadium. Uh, Tennessee on the road. You saw when they were went into that hostile environment against Florida, they really struggled. I see Alabama rolling. You know, I don't believe in Joe Milton, Milton the third. I like the running backs for Tennessee, but, you know, they're not typically yeah. a running team. Well, if you look um, at Joe Milton, and just quickly, you ex- uh, talked about the explosive plays. He's over 20 yards, 8 out of 35, so they've just not been on the same page with his wideouts. You mentioned Jalen Wright, who has been picking up the slack. You know, he had a good game against Texas A&M. He's going to have to have a good one today, but uh, quickly, I'm going to jump into Tennessee's defense real quickly because, I, like I said, I think they have carried them most of this season so far. They're top 15 in most defensive uh, statistics, including uh, coverage, uh, including getting pressure on the quarterback. You saw Milton. He can struggle at times if you get pressure on him. He also has the ability to escape, but, or excuse me, Moreau has the ability to escape. Uh, but the, I think Alabama, you know, they look good after they lost to Texas. But, again, I'm not totally convinced. Against Arkansas, they should have really put them away. They got the win at Texas A&M and a big win. Uh, but we'll see. what. I think this game's going to be closer than people think. I think it's going to be a second-half game. I do think the tide will pull away. But I think Tennessee can hang around until the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think Tennessee is just up against it in this matchup, especially with uh, Joe Milton third at the quarterback position. I don't trust him on the road. And you talked about those play- throws down the field. I think Alabama keeps everything in front. They keep, uh, keep Tennessee at bay, and Alabama rolls, in my opinion. I, I know I'm going too big, too favorite so far, but let's keep it rolling. We got the next matchup. You know, we got Duke and Florida State, a big one out in the ACC. Um, this is going to be my first free pick. I'm, I really like Duke at, on the road here in this spot. You know, they've been a surprise in the ACC, right, with Louisville. Um, they have a tremendous defense themselves. I love what Mike Al- yep. Alco's done o- coming over from A&M. Um, this team can play, and um, I expect this team to be competitive. I expect um, Ryan Leonard, the dual-threat quarterback, to make a plays both in the air and on the ground. And then you talk about Waters and Moore, the running game. I think if they can uh, continue to pound those two out of Florida State's uh, D-line, open up the play action, I think uh, Duke will have be successful in this game to keep this within the two touchdowns. Yeah, you look at Duke, and, you know, they got the win against NC State last week without Leonard. Uh, Leonard is questionable again today, and that's going to be a big uh, loss if he ain't going to be able to go at Doug Campbell because you're going to go with the backup quarterback and a hostile environment. But you mentioned Duke's defense. Uh, Mike Alco has really turned it around there. you got to give him all the credit there, like you said. Uh, but you look at Florida State and Jordan Travis. You know, they got weapons. How is Duke uh, Corners going to hold up against uh, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Haheem Bell, whether he's running out of the backfield or 
finding him in the passing game. And also, you got to worry about Benson. You know, Florida State's defense has been underrated, I feel, in my mind. I think this is a lower-scoring game, but uh, I think Duke has a chance to hang around. It's just going to be a lot depending if Leonard's going to go and how uh, effective he is with that ankle. If he's able to run, if he's able to extend plays, uh, then Duke is in good hands. But if he's not, I think it could be a long day for them at Florida State. Uh, linebacker, very athleticism, got C. Prince, the cornerback. They're very good on that side of the ball as well. Uh, so I think it could be a long day for the backup if Leonard's on a go in this one. Yeah, well, it surely will be. Um, you know, he typically didn't play too well against NC State. They really relied on the run game. Yeah. But um, it's going to be a big question mark. I mean, if he is a go again, this uh, the true freshman, um, they're going to really rely on Waters and more, like I mentioned, like what they did against NC State. But we'll see. I mean, he's questionable. If he feels good before a pregame, uh, he'll give it a go. But um, we'll see. Um, let's get into the last game we're going to be uh, getting into. You want to get, lead off into that one first? Yeah, we're going to go to Utah and USC. This is a game where USC just got dominated at Notre Dame and excuse me, Caleb Williams fell out of contention of the Heisman as his odds have just dropped. Obviously, Utah is doing what they do, 5-1 and one without their quarterback. And we look what have they've done with the, all the injuries and just not their quarterback. They're one of the Bears' tight ends. Brett Cuthy is also out. Uh, so you're going to look at what USC, it's a bounce-back game for them, but they have struggled against that veteran US, excuse me, Utah defense. Uh, Juan, do you think Utah can really come into the Coliseum and, and give USC the second loss? They're still in the running for the Pac-12. They're a long shot to get to the college football playoff, but uh, I think a lot of people didn't realize how uh, serious that Cam Rising injury was and how long he was actually going to be out. A lot of people thought it was only one or two weeks. It's been already to week eight. Uh, but USC, excuse me, Utah is going to have to rely on their defense. Yeah, and this is why I really like the Utes. You know, they beat USC twice a year ago against Caleb Williams and his high-powered offense. Thank um, I really like uh, Utah in this no. game. I think Utah has enough uh, to surprise uh, the USC in the Coliseum. You know, it's going to really – you talk about their defense, um, what Arizona did when they went there. They really neutralized Williams. Um, it's going to really come down to – Utah's offense, if they can keep up to the pace, if they can make this their tempo of a game, a low-scoring game, one-possession game, and uh, make this game ugly, uh, be physical, be uh, uh, in the trenches, make the, those key third downs, and keep USC off the field. Uh, stay on the field, long drives, slow it down, and uh, frustrate USC as their defense is yet to show all season to stop anybody. Uh, but um, we'll see again. Um, I, I like Utah on this spot at plus seven, in my opinion. I think if they can just uh, make, a, like I said, uh, Kyle Winningham knows his team extremely well from the, the years in the Pac-12, and that he has had success against Caleb Williams. I expect that success to continue tonight. Yeah, I'm going to go to my two free plays, and Juan's going to give his second free play. I'm going North Texas plus 21 here on the road at Tulane. This North Texas uh, offense is explosive. You look at what they've done over the last uh, couple of games, 45 points, 24, 45, 40, 39, and, of course, Cal Bloom out in week one. But they got some playmakers. You know, you got the quarterback there with Rodgers, who's having a pretty good year down there. You got a die with a pretty good rushing there as well. You got the ride receiver transfer in Macklin, uh, the cousin of uh, the great Missouri ride out there that went down to North Texas. He's having a big year. Uh, we know what Tulane can pose on the defensive side of the ball. Very good there. That's the problem with North Texas. They have struggled to stop the run at 256 yards, so that's going to be big there. But their offense is explosive. I think they can keep this within three touchdowns. I like North Texas on the road at plus 21. Uh, you want to get into your second free pick? 
Yeah, it's going to be going into Game 5, Philadelphia, minus 135. For all the reasons I mentioned earlier, I think Zach, big-time Zach Wheeler in this moment of a game against Zach Gallen. I like uh, Wheeler. I think the offense gets enough runs today, and their bullpen uh, doesn't let them down as it has the last two games. Give me Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm going to go to my second free pick, and that's going to wrap up the show today. I'm going to go to Arizona State, plus 28. I know Washington had a big emotional win against Oregon last week. Arizona State has not in total rebuilding mode down there, but they come on the road. They've lost their last two games by three points. Uh, you saw they put a valued effort at USC at home. They're going to have to score some touchdowns here. I think it's a 45-24 type of game. I'm taking Arizona State plus 28 on the road. Yeah, there you go. We got those four free picks. We got Philadelphia as well as Utah plus seven, as well as Marcos two free picks, North Texans plus 21, and Washington at home against Arizona State. People might be thinking that's a letdown game, but I think the Washington Huskies have enough to cover that spread. That's going to be wrapping up for us today. Join us tomorrow for a recap of Game 5 in the NLCS, as well as a recap of the Thank big Thank you for listening to Off the game. Board Sports. For any inquiries regarding our paid services, please email us at offtheboardsports at gmail.com. We invite you to follow us on Twitter at OtheBoardSports and Instagram at OffTheBoardSports. Thank you and best of luck.